Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another world show. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Kira, and, of course, friend of the show, Seal, the coach, not the aquatic marine mammal. Um, but, Kira, I have to ask you, do you realise where we are right now? You might think, what do you mean? I'm sitting in my room. But actually, you'd be wrong. You are sat in, as the viewers will see, though you cannot see right now, our new complaint truck. Because it is the debut of the T1... Sorry, I can't say that for any reason. It is the EU complaint truck. And we're very happy to have you here with us, Seal, for the... Well, I couldn't think it was a better time. considering Inauguration. Yeah, for uh, the debut of said complaints truck. But you guys know the drill. Before we talk any League of Legends, I do have to hit you with a would you rather. And it is world themed, as always, because your boy sticks to theme, theme relevant topics nowadays, doesn't he? So I will start with you, Kira, as uh, mm. Seal, being a coach himself, might be more. You know, well adapted to this question already. Uh, Kira, would you rather coach the pre-tournament favourites for Worlds who then go on to win Worlds, so you are a World Championship coach in this okay. instance, or would you rather coach a wildcard team that reaches a World Semi-Final, but you win a BO5 along the way against either a top Korean or top LPL team? Which one are you right. taking? I know this is going to seem asinine. Is like the team like local to me? Like, would it be like a UK team or like a Scottish team? No, you don't get. To, no, you don't get to. No, that's too much of a wet dream. It's it's like a a non. Yeah, yeah. Then another one. Then it's just. I'd rather be. I'd rather be home than anyone else. So, yeah. Okay, so you're taking. Okay, okay. <laughs> what about what about you, Seal? What what do you think? Would you rather I mean, be a world champion but pre-tournament favorite or? Coach a wild team to a semi-final, beating a Korean or LPL team in a best of five. Okay, here's my question. What stage of my career am I in? Am I in the stage where I want to scam as many people as possible and just take a lot of money? Or am I in the stage where I'm like still excited about esports and I want to grow uh, grow esports and like develop esports? Take your pick. You, you are at, what, at whatever stage you like. This is, at, this is a moment in time that you get me, to pick. For me, I'm still in the wildcard stage. I'm still passionate. I still want to like grow stuff. I still want to take the challenge. To be honest, it's very hard to see what a coach does from the outside. And if you go to like a world's team, a lot of the time it's like player driven, especially on the top teams, right? Because to be super competitive, you need five good players, like really, really good players, at least to win worlds anyway. So um, I'd probably take the wildcard. Yeah, I, I guess. But to be fair, I also think DRX got the, their one tricks. Like, Piosi got Kindred, which is mind-blowing to me still. I, I don't know how that's allowed. Um, but yeah, I got to play Silas and Akali a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if Piosi is on Kindred and Zeka is on Silas Akali, that is a top team. It's just they got the champions, right? <laughs> Death has got Caitlyn permaband yeah, band against mean, them. Beryl got Heimer permaband against them. Like, it's not yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean... Any, anyway, so so yeah, I'd, I'd take the wildcard team in my current stage, but maybe in like 15 years when I feel like scamming some teams for like a couple mil, maybe I'd take the world team. Um, but ov obviously, like, I'm not saying that for every world's coach, right? I'm just saying. 
Just saying. Basically, team if Seal ever approaches one of you guys in, let's just call it five years plus from now, uh, <laughs> don't give him a job because he's probably leaning towards his scamming era. Uh, yum, yum. By the way, <laughs> just very quickly, guys, what do you think is the, what do you consider to be the superior achievement? Winning Worlds with a pre-tournament favourite based on, I guess, the players they have on paper or taking like, you know, a Brazilian team or a, a Latin American team, whatever. Two. What 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 wild card though? What wild card? Because it depends. If it's if it's like PCS, it's less impressive. Let's say right? like either Oceanic or Japan or Brazil. No, nah, no. Nah. If you, if if you can get an Oceanic, Japanese, or Brazilian team to the semifinals, you're the greatest coach in the history of League of Legends. Yeah. See, to me, this is the thing, right? Like, if <laughs> I know money comes into it or or whatever, but. Like, achievement-wise, I think it's night and day. Like, okay, it's cool if you get to call yourself a world champion or whatever. But if I think I could have put Coach Carter from Vitality on a fucking, you know, JDG and they'd still win, that's not, you know, that's not nearly as cool. That if I Whoa. am the difference, if I am the difference that gets an Oceanic team, you know, like Team Whales or Flying Oysters or something, and beat a JDG or something like that in a quarterfinal, in a best of five, that is surely like the greatest ever achievement in League of Legends, I'd have imagined. So for me, I guess I'm putting money to the side a bit because here's a secret seal. I've never left my scamming phase in uh, esports. <laughs> so, you know, I've already <laughs> still riding that roller coaster to the top. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking the wildcard one. I think that's the uh, way cooler achievement. That's probably like tattoo worthy, Can isn't I it? You just get three, two whales versus uh, JDG on your neck or something. I mean, that was a big turning point for, for example, Peter, wasn't it? Because he beat EDG, he beat uh, EDG with the, the INTZ roster in uh, 2015 or 2016, yeah. right? Yeah, they snaked yeah. the game off of EDG. The long-forgotten series, yeah. They went one and five, and of course mm -hmm. that, that whole, like... I mean, I think they, that team was actually decent for what they had that year. Um, and they did a lot worse than they could have, especially after beating EDG. But that was a turning point, right? So if you can do that in groups, imagine you get to a semis, man. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Did, That's crazy. Did Peter Dunn coach clear love to miss Lee Sankus? That's pretty impressive, actually. No, no, he was able to reach across into China. And... No, this is when Peter Dunn was coaching uh, INTZ. Yeah, I know. That's okay. what I'm, I'm laughing yeah, at. This, this is, you know, Peter Dunn before he was Peter Dunzo, Kira. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that, I, see, I, I Peter's, Peter's well into his scamming era, mate. He's like right, <laughs> right is, up there now. It's an amazing, it was an amazing achievement. I remember watching it at the time and being well-pressed because everyone impressed because everyone always forgets the context of that one. It was that even though EDG didn't win summer they were still the msi champions and so like people pretty little western fans looked at them with a lot of grace because they were like they had beaten the you know the thingy team the green teams yeah yep wonder how their scrims went um right now let's talk about the main reason while us as europeans are all upset this week of course which is it's over it's done dusted europe is out of worlds we fucking suck not only that, we were outlasted by North America, who I guess, in part, kind of sent us packing. They, well, they at least got like an assist on that kill, the European kill, let's say, because uh, obviously NRG beat G2. Uh, I want to talk about something a little bit more holistic here. I don't want to go into, you know, the pros and cons of Fnatic and G2 or whatever. I, I want to talk more about what do you think, and I'll start with you on this, Kira, what do you think is the biggest problem right now that 
Europe faces as a region when it comes to these international tournaments? Why aren't we as competitive as we would like to be? Talent compoundation of teams, uh, like probably the big one, and that followed by like. But for example, so, let me let me get more specific here. So with G two, I think we would say that's not the case, right? Like there's enough talent on G two player for player to be yeah. competitive, isn't there? So what what do you think went wrong for G two, like specifically? Because obviously we always have these talks about is it better to have one dominant team or like two three dominant teams or you know across yeah, but the, the league? It's the it's the rest of the league not having like that of like coherency of consistently throughout the year being able to challenge different aspects of like G2's like game like for example I'm just gonna pick out one we've seen um Caps on like Azir okay and he was playing into energy and Palfax is over the wall as Talia right and he's like uh, he snipes Caps because he like missed positions at like the dragon okay now that has happened to Caps like a lot this year he's missed positions yeah. like a lot um but at the, across the average of the year, right, okay, like, no team really was able to do it consistently enough outside, like, Mad Lions, maybe arguably in spring, to actually snipe enough wins off of, like, G2, right? Now, you then get to Worlds, and you get to this, like, concentrated point where, like, I'm not saying that if this was a BO5, G2 would have won, but, like, you know what I mean? The result looks so much worse when we've actually seen these types of behaviours from G2, like, all year. And that, like, and another point is, like, it's not to just say that, like, Caps was, like, specifically, like, bad all of, like, Worlds or, like, all year. I actually think he was, like, not bad not bad at Worlds or certain aspects of his game was, like, pretty good. But I think this, when you look at it, it was just basically, like, you can on specific days just play, like, a lot worse. And uh, if you look, for me, I think the way G2 went to try and win and, like, tackle that game, it was probably one of the worse like versions of like g2 that i played that day um but you know what i mean like i don't have a lot of sympathy for them uh and the only way you can become more refined get more used to playing those situations and if the other team's consistently challenging them uh that's that's kind of really got to say like mm. i don't know what you think seal i wouldn't want to go too deep yeah the i mean I, I would just add on to that like it it's very easy to say this is like a lazy narrative or something, but I do just, I primarily do think G2 from their side just had a bad day. Um, and I do think, of course, that would be a disservice to just leave it there. I think NRG played yeah, at it... their apex, like for sure. Um, but I do think it would be very reactionary in terms of G2 to say, you know, oh, well, they must be missing X, Y, and Z because they went out of Worlds before quarters. Like I do just think, they got caught on their heels on a bad day by a team who were absolutely flying. But yeah, Seal, what's your general take on, not just on G2, but in Europe in general? Because obviously, you know, we don't just want to be a one-team region. Uh, where do you think Europe needs to sort of plug the most gaps here? Well, I mean, I always say a better team is not necessarily a winning team. And I think, I mean, I, I do also give G2 the benefit of the doubt. I think they're better than what they showed that day, right? Um, I heard that maybe two of their players were sick in some, like, rumor mills as well uh, when they put, when they played that series. But, uh, you know, th that being said, the level of G2 compared to, let's just say, 2019 has gotten worse. That's a fact. Like, relative to the competition, that that's an undeniable yep. fact. Sure, yeah. And I think ever since 2019, the region has gotten worse. That's a fact as well, right? 
Um, and so I really thought about why. I mean, the first big one for me this year was the format. I think this exacerbated our problems. I talked about this a lot, uh, you know, both publicly in multiple interviews as well as on like a recent YouTube video of mine. And the, the basic gist of it is this. Uh, even in previous years where we took this efficient, uh, inefficient like BO5 five-game scrim system, you had four days of scrims and two games, two days of game days, right? So effectively what happens is, and for those of you guys that are not really aware of competition, game day can just never be the same as a scrim day. It's not possible. Or if you do treat it like that, you're a terrible manager slash terrible coach slash terrible player because high performance is very different from like optimal training, uh, training environments and like training mindsets, right? Um, the reason being that high performance is all about being the best you can currently be with your current skill level and, and training being about a growth mindset, process oriented, setting goals. And so, you know, you have three days of game days this year, um, which is a, a day of practice taken away every week. Plus you have longer breaks in between splits. Plus you have every single regular season game mattering more, which means players are shifting towards this result oriented mindset um, and orgs as well. And they have no choice because sponsorships are on the line, yeah. BO3s are on the line, BO5s yeah. are on the line. So unless you have, a, like, unless you have a, an insanely talented team, right? Uh, that works really well together from day one, generally speaking, you're going to be a worse team. And if your competition is worse, even if you're scrimming the top teams again and again and again, there are always big discrepancies between the top teams and the middle and bottom teams. So there are just a lot of issues with the formatting. And then that's excluding the, the whole point about like high cortisol, high adrenaline levels throughout your game days, which means uh, your sleep is going to be worse. Your schedule is going to be different. Your routine is going to be different too. Because like in Europe, for example, you scrim from like 1 to 8 mm. uh, at the moment. Yeah. Um, whereas game days can go until 1 a.m. in the morning. So you're effectively sleeping 2, 3 a.m. when you get home or 4 a.m., which yeah. actually massively impacts the day after. Um, so when you go from like, let's just say a game day on a Sunday to a rest day on a Monday, um, by the Tuesday when you train again, you're often still like recovering. So when you had the four scrim, day, scrim days, you had the one day to kind of just test champions out, get used mm. to the meta, get used to the draft. So yeah, the format's a massive problem. Um, very very quick on this, by oh, the way, just to TL, just, just to TLDR this for people, because I think this is actually a really yeah. good point, especially the first thing you said, because I haven't really heard anyone talk about this. The idea for, for people who didn't necessarily follow exactly what you're saying, if you're not intimately aware of like how yeah. team environments work, he's basically saying that because now every BO1 is so concentrated in its value, teams will often gear towards that and making sure the things they're doing are securing that singular result, which isn't necessarily improving them as a team, which is actually very true. And for example, yes. if you had let double round robin best of threes, for example, teams would have way more leeway to be trying different things, trying to improve, okay, this series, let's try and play through bot side. Uh, maybe let's uh, switch it up. That didn't work. Let's try these draft picks. You can't really do that now. You basically have to do a uh, best proportionate guess at your chance of winning and solely play towards that in a BO1 singular round robin scenario, which completely changes your ability to practice. And also because of the format and the day spread as he described as well. That's actually a really good point. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of talked around that point before without actually really nailing it on the head. But no, I think that is definitely having an impact. And I've always spoken about more sort of holistically that I think the volume of 
games and series play that LPL, for example, is allowed to play is a definite advantage when it comes like all these teams meet at the end of the year at Worlds and then enter this kind of like final gauntlet. I do feel that obviously it's not a like for like scenario, but if hypothetically EU did have the exact same amount of teams and formats or whatever as LPL, that you would have better results purely because of the format. Um, but sorry, yeah, you go, uh, Kira. No, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was actually want to like just quickly. So, I of course I'm not a coach, but I was just curious to push some like, counterpoints to Seal just to see what he thinks. Okay, yeah. so who do you think the second best team of the year was Seal? In in Europe? Yeah. Fnatic or Mad? Depends on what Fnatic. Are you talking about in summer? I, like I'm just saying, like, like, do you, would you think like Fnatic and Mad are the two next best teams after G2? Yeah, I think you could even argue BDS. Oh, yeah, I'd say Spring right. BDS is the best. No, no, best I, I, I know at any given tier, but the point is, is like Mad, Fnatic is only that version of Fnatic because of this system. And then like they stripped away like lots of parts and changed the team like radically. They changed like Reckless for Noah, support around and top lane. And you only yeah. get that version of Fnatic that eventually becomes good in summer under this system. Unless you've done it like, you know what I mean? The other version would have just stayed like that bad for a longer period of time and then would have played the same again over a longer period of time. You wouldn't have had, as well, you might you might have had a change. I'm surmising a bit here, but you wouldn't have had as radical as a change as something like that. The second one I would like to point out is BDS's like meteoric rise in spring is also like a symptom of like this, like of us like talking about this. Because if you took like BDS, they, they would have been like winter plus spring BDS and they would have been like a middling team. You know what I mean? With like the results compounding because they would have lost to like, like you know what I mean? They, it would have been the Astralis BDS like midway through the year. The, the BDS that lost to Astralis midway through the year and then maybe they would have been better by playoffs we would never have had that like I know storylines aren't important but you would have never have had like them having like a like teams having to problem solve and learn to adapt and beat like the things that BDS were throwing at them in Europe without this format I mean the obvious because counterpoint they... to your first point though is that yes Fnatic probably made changes because of how little you know you have to play around with in the best of ones or whatever but if the format had been different as seal said you could afford to keep that group together and try more and develop them more over a, basically you have more surface area to play with right mm -hmm. so it goes but it goes both ways i i, I agree with what you're saying i do concur well. that the bo1 part i've always said this i hate it bo1s are the worst part of league of legends i despise them with Everything in my heart. The League of Legends is like an amazing esport, but it is a terrible best of one esport. Like I know they have it for for a variety of reasons. It is because we have now gotten to a point where like execution is like so snowbally that BO ones don't really often tell you that much about a team, and they can even tell you less about about a team of BO ones over like a period of time because a team can lose to like different problems. Um, like consistently, where they actually like adaptation within series is how we define champions. Yeah, very true. Like that, and that and Bo ones is not that in League of Legends. And League of Legends is a if you go, there's an amazing series I always point it out. It is the Fnatic XL series, and I don't like credit Yamato because I don't know um who came up with the solutions. But that series is like amazing to watch because they you see all the counter 
to each other like the Nalia is problematic so they introduce the Renekton for the shield break then they start outranging with the Twitch um, so that they can win with upset and then they move they move towards the Lucian so they can win midsection when uh, Mark Noon's over rotating there's like so many adaptations in that series and it was like a, and neither of those teams were like amazing at the time period but that was like real League of Legends but BO1s aren't like that. You're not tra- you're not testing anything. Because if you had done a BO1, you would have walked away like Excel's a better team. When at the end of the day, but uh, Fnatic were the better team at producing um, selections. And Fnatic all in all, almost went all the way to like the finals and played like a great series against uh, Rogue and stuff. You know what I mean? So you know, you know, the, uh, you know the reductor ad absurdum I like to use for that uh, as an analogy, uh, Kira, is like, it's this is obviously very extreme, but... It's like a rounding counter-strike. If I attack your bomb site and I throw like two smokes you've never seen before and they just completely yeah. block you off and fuck you over, and you're like, damn, what a sick execution. They win that round, but guess what? There's like 15 more rounds to yes, go, exactly. you know? In BO1, you can legitimately cheese people and win a game, but a good team will defeat your cheese the next game or ban it out or whatever, and then it's like, you actually have to show you're good at League of Legends at a certain point, you know? It's like... So- Say I took this format and I made the BO1 section seal, I made them into like BO3 preps, okay? Would you still say it's bad because of the the, the loss in trading days and the aspect that you talked about? Or would, or, or would you be more uh, palatable to it? Yeah, I mean, we talked about three different topics there. Uh, uh, no, I know. Sorry, just uh, if you no, put them that's up. Okay, that's on. okay. But I think uh, to, to answer your question, basically... Um, to say that teams shouldn't have changed, uh, should, w- wouldn't have changed the roster without this, without this format is correct. I do agree with you on that. That's correct. And I do think that teams are often late to adapt their rosters if the roster doesn't work. But I do also think that this is a symptom of poor scouting. So okay. to, be, to be clear, and this includes for Team Heretics this year, I think teams in Europe just refuse to make good rosters. We, are, we agree on so much, Seal. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, I mean... This is kind of self-flame as well, um, but I mean, with Team Heretics, it was more like a gamble, right? Uh, but I do think that there, there were many things that we could have done better in the scouting process. Uh, and a lot of the reason these kind of mid, mid-split changes are made or should be made is because of an emergency or because there were some unforeseen circumstances. The problem with European League of Legends or just League of Legends in general um, across the globe, this includes the, the East as well, is just like they have terabad scouting. And the... the the kind of um, the kind of development process in which the way they they build their roster is terrorism. If if you if you compare it to like traditional sports, in and the amount of elements they they think about, not just in terms of personalities, but in terms of the way players think, in terms of developing talent, um, and in terms of the way the contracts work and the way that like organizations view 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 the system, um, and also from a business sense. I mean, there's so many elements to it. But basically, yeah, without the format you wouldn't have changed teams. And I do think that teams in Europe should have done it more often. But the, the root cause of that is always just the, the, the poor scouting. Um, so I think to, to say that the format is good because of that is a little bit facetious in, in, okay. in that way. Um, and the second is when you think about <clears throat> the BO3, uh, and, I, and I talked about this in the, in the video too, essentially last year, if you played five games so be a fives and every game went to five games in the playoffs and you made a lower bracket run to the to the finals and you won the finals and you also played every single game in the regular season the maximum amount of games you could play in a year was 86 
mm-hmm. right? That's if every game went to a five-game streak. This year it was 90. But that's if every game went to a three-game series in BO3s and every game went to a five-game series in a BO5. Um, including season finals, season finals, I think it's like 100, 110. Okay. Do you know how many games that the East plays right now? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Like 100, 120 minimum. And that's yeah, excluding their regional finals. That's including that's excluding their second, third, fourth kind of seeds. They have BO3s every week. They play approximately 40 plus games per regular season. And so th- the point is, I mean, to, to, to say that, hey, uh, this format kind of, you know, would be improved by BO3 is in one way, like I agree. But okay. in another way, it's like, if, if you're going to do that, just keep it to two splits because... When you look at optimal training um, in traditional sports, and this is something that I learned a lot this year um, from like Rob Davies, shout out to him, great coach, by the way, great performance coach, uh, is that generally between splits, you want to take at least four weeks off. That's like, right. that's, okay. that's, 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 that, there's a lot of science behind that. Um, not only is that not possible, you have so many weeks wasted between splits. So, I mean, if I, if I took the Thorin approach, right, and I came in here, I'd say, well, we're just never going to be good if we don't uh, if we, if we don't take the approach where we just you know play like your life depends on it you know back in my day blah 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 I mean yeah like if if people don't take breaks between splits if people play you know uh, sixteen games a day yeah maybe maybe we'll get better as a region but the the point is that we are Europe you need to adapt to your region and you need to understand the people that you're working with and you need to understand the culture and you need to understand the legality behind it if you do that in in, in if you do that in Europe, you go to jail. So if, if uh, let's look at Rich as an example, right? Rich goes back, this is 2017, H2K, and he tells his players to triple Bob's scrims, play solo queue until 1 to 6 a.m., get up at 1, at 1 p.m. and do it all over again. He would be in jail. That's the fact. And no player would remain, and he would be in a lot of trouble from Riot as well, right? And so what do you have within Europe, and what can you make the most out of it? Uh, and the solution always just comes down to, you know, improving the format in a way where it might hurt business short term, but it will definitely improve the, the quality of the teams in the long term. And that's, that's a gamble that Riot will have to take, right? Like adopting a similar kind of uh, strategy to what the East does in terms of the formatting. I mean, I uh, also I- do think that um, when it comes to, you know, that kind of stuff like, um, what you're alluding to with what the cultural differences of oh in Korea they play solo queue this much and they do that. I think there's definitely a balance. I think the reason why one of the reasons why EU is behind the East isn't just because um, you know we don't play as much or or something like this. I think it's how we play and yeah. what those games are. And I I would much rather personally see. I don't. I straight up do not believe. I genuinely do not believe that the more solo queue you play the better you will be like on any metric, unless you're learning a champion or something. I think it's complete horseshit. I think you need to play solo queue enough to basically be cognizant and refresh your memory on whatever these things are, practice things out on an individual basis. That is the only place solo queue has for me. And I think scrimming is monster overrated as well. I think you'd be way better off as an example, having three game days where you're playing series play, like best of threes, and let's say two scrim days. I don't think you need to scrim like a shit ton a week to be a good team i really don't like if 
someone said, well, actually, Korea have that format, but they scrim an extra day and it, that works for them. I wouldn't be like shocked or something like this. I'm like, OK, well, maybe the balance I want is slightly off. Maybe they could play a bit more or something. I think the big issue, though, is not how much players play. It's how much players play on stage in real series that matter. And those are the games that are actually representative of something. I think scrims are like not really representative of anything other than a very surface level uh, sort of understanding you're going to get about how certain dynamics work and certain matchups work or whatever. But the reality is that even Eastern players don't scrim like their stage games. They're very different than stage games. So I think that Europe needs a higher volume of games that matter. Less, if that means less scrim time, so be it. I, I definitely think the results would be better that way around. I would want to say it another time to say it, that the thing that <clears throat> the thing that hurt like Europe and you have to like see how there was like the Korean Exodus and so you have to always keep that in context of like talking about uh, Korea as like um uh like as a server or like not as a server but as a region, you know what I mean? Like lots of the experienced players left and went to China and some of them took over like coaching capacities over there and Yada yada yada. Or in the NA, you've got to take into concern into the the thing. What's it called? Like the size of the server, right? Europe was probably the region that was one most hurt by the closing of the open circuit. Like the op open circuit in like Europe was like where like a lot of Europe's like best teams at the time were like bloodied and found. And then the the closure of that open circuit like caused like a stagnation basically. If you look at it historically, um. Where it was very, very hard, a lot harder for people to like come through. Uh, but the, the, the it's impossible. That could be true, but it's impossible to know because when the open circuit was going on, the East wasn't developed at all. So we don't know comparatively what the results would have been because the open circuit basically stopped at the start of season three. Yeah. Because um, obviously the LCS system was established, but and then the East and like OGN season two and stuff like that. like we weren't. There is not a plethora of series play prior to season three, which involved uh, Eastern teams that had had like any level of practice, you know, like they were newer to the game than the West. So I think it's hard. Yeah, but for to example, judge. like Gambit, like Gambit was like affected by like the closing of like the, the, the circuit. Yeah, but Gambit for was example. playing against like Frost and teams that like had just come into being, you know, like the Kesper had like people who believe in the Kesper meme, like to what extent on the spectrum you believe as, as that as like a, a cultural revolution or not when it comes to League of Legends, it's like neither here nor there. The reality is that those teams were like brand new, basically, like compared to how long we've been playing in the West. So I don't want to belittle what Gambit did. They no. were in a moment in time, the best team in the world, but they were also like not playing no, no, against... I'm, I'm you know I, i've maybe not explained myself like extremely well i mean and, like people are easy to say like oh in a uh, career there's like a culture of like practice and like competitive practice and like diligent practice and um you know like those like say that like offhandedly uh, like it's like a way of reasoning but i think it's easy also it's easy to make an assessment of like europe from any other esport that i watch and that and, like i'm exposed to two three and a half others as an open circuit in like europe that causes like or like the like the competitiveness of like repeated like tournaments and going to those tournaments 
Like oh, consistent. I see like, what you're saying. You, okay. you know what I mean? Like Europe's culture. Culturally, like, we're better yes. suited to open circuit yes. models and yes. Counter-Strike and so on. Yeah, yes. yeah, sure. I, that, I think that makes sense. And that, that's, that's what I'm seeing in the sense of like, you know what I mean? Like we could have had like, you know, national teams, mixed teams and all that coming and you would find out things work, don't work in Europe a lot quicker. And this happened in Dota, for example, the game that I'm more native to. But like League didn't like have that, and so like you always have to keep that into consideration because now we're now stuck in this like League dynamic because that's what Riot wants, and so you now need to like best prep for like how the way Seal's talking about it. How do we make Europe work in this new world order? And I don't th- I think the solutions are a lot harder to find. I really I actually do I don't envy anyone's uh, job in this way. I think there's I think it's actually a really really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, I've, not, I've got no personal exposure to it, but I wouldn't like have just like very obvious answers to it. Yeah, either. I mean, I would just summarize by saying that um, we know that the current uh, LCS LEC model in terms of the teams and where the base and so on is here to stay for now. So I don't think that's going to change anytime yeah, soon. So exactly. for me, I would just go back to what Seal said originally. It'd be like, I think there are just format changes we could make, which would have the best, quickest uh improvement results you would imagine um in my opinion but yeah let's not spend any more time on that because as dire as things are for eu it's just na for you isn't it because uh our boys nrg who i say our boys because we've adopted them now we're still westerners you know it's, it's team west it always has been kira we're not team eu we're team west god damn it and i am an rng mm-hmm. fan and they are yes. playing against weibu team kadrel uh, in the quarterfinals and seal i want to get your opinion first on how replicable do you think that g2 performance was and also how do you think this this series is going to go because again this is a good draw for nrg if you look at the other teams that are left in the bracket weibu they've got to be the most beatable team i'd imagine so uh what do you think about this one seal i think they're gonna get murdered oh i mean uh, look I mean, you can catch me on multiple interviews saying the same thing. Uh, I, I, I did say, like, this year, and I made a very bold, bold prediction. You can even ask Han K, which is the head coach of, of uh, BCS uh, again. I said, you know, in previous years, I think that game would get destroyed by any team. Um, and by the way, I don't think Rogue was that great internationally either last year. And we made quarters, right? We made top eight. Um, that, at, like, a world-class level, I don't think we were, like, anywhere near the top. Uh, and... And even then, I said, I, I don't think that VCS could ever beat LEC in previous years, but this year I could see them beating like half our teams, like Mad Lions, BDS, for sure. Um, and on the same note, I think that just because they beat a weakened Europe, I don't think they're going to be beating any kind of Chinese team in the future. If they do beat Weibo, I'd be very, very surprised and very impressed. Um, I thought their coaching model, model was very similar to tr- traditional sports and their, their structure. So maybe that's, that's what's creating an edge. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that this is this is possible. But yeah, talk talk a, a little bit uh, to that seal because obviously we mentioned it before the before that we went live or not live but before we uh, started yeah. the show that they have NRG have seven coaches or something is that right? Do they have positional coaches in every position? Yeah, yeah. So they have uh, I think three positional coaches, a head coach. Uh, they have four positional coaches, even include Juves. I think they have a strategic coach, assistant coach, head coach, plus analyst or something. I think they have a eight-person, eight-person coaching roster. But I, they also have a, a decent roster on paper. If you actually look at like relative to, to North America, they they didn't just like develop these players out of nowhere. That's that's kind of 
you know, erroneous to say that uh, they have FBI, who's an LCS champion, right? And uh, and they have some good pieces there for sure. Like Palafox has always been near the top in terms of like the data. Um, the only reason C9 didn't use them and they were very close to using them is because they ended up going with uh, perks, right? In 20, I think, was it 2021, 2022? 21, uh, I think. 21, it was 21, right? So, so I mean, they have a decent roster on paper as well. Um, but something that I, that I do want to point out to was like, uh, kind of related to, to NIG's performance was the whole, the whole argument about like franchising an open league circuit. <clears throat> a big challenge that Riot has is from a business perspective, they've accelerated the kind of journey that the esports should naturally be taking. So for example, the football revenue model in, in Europe took like 50, 60 years, right? Um, and that's why they have the stability they do. For example, a big change was Real Madrid's system of having image rights, signing off image rights and creating revenue that way and, and creating like the place to be for football players to come and generate brand value and generate advertising value. So a lot of their revenue comes from a combination of image rights, which is similar to what we're doing in esports, but also stadium sales. So if you look at, for example, Arsenal um, during the Invincibles era with, with Wenger, Wenger, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Wenger, Wenger. Um, you know, the, the change to the Emirates Stadium was a really, really big impact on their revenue, right, uh, as well. So we don't have that in the LEC. We don't have stadiums for each kind of uh, team to generate that revenue. So we don't have the same amount of stability. Like the stability that you see right now in League of Legends is necessary for improved, uh, increased improvement, right? In terms of increased like uh, performance. But it's also propped up by venture capitalist money and it's propped up by right artificially. So I, I think that it would actually be incredibly damaging to have an open circuit in, in, in the format, in the state that esports is right now because they're not able to generate the same kind of stability or competition as they would in, in other regions. So Harry just dropped out here. Um, keep going. <laughs> anyway, I mean, on the same note, I do think that, uh, you know, that French, that same franchise system is like what's allowing NRG to have the time or, or XCLG to have the time to develop that roster. Because what you saw was like, you didn't actually see changes in the management stuff. You saw uh, the, the shift from CLG into NRG, different ownership, but same management staff and the same kind of like legacy and, and tradition that they tried to bring on from CLG, which was like from um, Kim, I forgot his name. I think he was like Dynasty Kim and uh, Kerry's back in the AFK channel, by the way. Ah, all right. Yeah. A second. Uh, one moment. So yeah, and, and, and Kamikaze Platterfoots, which is which is Jonathan. So so what they've developed right now in terms of like what you see in NRG is like one of the best versions of developing a roster over multiple years. And that's why they look the way they are now, but they're nothing compared to, I think, like in terms of map play compared to the East still. So. Okay, fair enough. And just following up, did nothing change after you watched the NRG G2 series? Was there nothing that you saw which made you think, huh, maybe actually they can go to a level that could be competitive here? No, I thought that NRG was at a decent level. I thought they would take G2 to four games, at least five games in most cases. And, you know, in competition, you always have like off days and, and good days, right? Um, I think that NRG was definitely the better team, but I didn't see anything like out of the ordinary where I was like mind blown by what they did. 
Um, so very quick, following up on that, so if yeah. G2 were to play Weibo in a best of five, who would you favour? Weibo. Okay, interesting. I think. I mean, I, I just think that Europe in general sucks ass right now. And I think that, like, we made the whole, we, we had the whole conversation about, like, Fnatic, Mad Lions, and, and BDS, right? Yeah. My honest opinion is they're all bad. Well, yeah. Like, if Team Heretics can come fourth place in summer, they're all terrible. That, that's my honest opinion. And, and that's, that's coming from, like, the Heretics coach, right? Um, the reason they look decent is because the rel level of competition relative to them were worse than previous years, right? And because Fnatic has a lot of money, so they spent a shit ton of money getting Trimby, Noah, Humanoid. This is a super roster. This is a super team, by the way. If anyone doubts that they're a super team, you're, you're bonkers. You know, they even had Wonder for the playoffs, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, like, Oscar Rinnan, data-wise, is one of the top talents and has been for a very, very long time. In, I think in, he's uh, really good. No, he has been. Into, I mean, I, I think that in spring he looked pretty bad, but yeah, he, he, was up there, he was up there with, like, Adam Shigenda, um, you know, irrelevant for a long time in terms of data. Yeah. Data. I mean, I'm not saying Ash will play. I think that he was a little bit less mature in a lot of areas, but... Um, this is a super team, so they're good because they have an insane roster. Uh, yeah, and on that note, by the way, I think that Europe sucks more because, like, uh, I don't think we've had like an amazing roster since 2019-2020. That's yeah, what I, I think. I think. That's I think that's definitely fair. I don't know. I I do think this G two team is good. Um, I personally, um, yeah, you know, if buts and maybes, but I think if G two went into a best of five um, in a good frame of mind let's just say like not having an off day i would favor them over weibo i think it's certainly something that could go like either way but i, I would have made them slight favorites i think going into a weibo best of series wait um, sorry i want i want to clarify by the way i think g2's roster is cracked but what i mean is like super super team because like the 2019 super team was a true super oh, team. of course yeah it, it was yeah it was like yeah, but that's peak, the end it was peak peak caps coming from a world's finals like literally, it was peak peak caps, peak peak perks, peak peak uh, Mickey X, Wonder, yeah. Wonder, and Jankos. So, I think that this 2022 23 roster is one of the best rosters that Europe's ever had. I think the format griefed them, but I'm just saying in general. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I I really don't see them beating Weibo Gaming in a best of five. Sure. I, I, personally here very quickly just on that before you talk about this uh series would you favor g2 in a best of against weibo under normal circumstances or... yeah yeah i think they, i think they'd be i think i'd favor i think i'd favor g2 against any team than nrg just because of the nature of like what um g2's individual players can do uh because I don't think, NR, like, I don't think like the version of like the G two, but that, that's like one of the bigger problems of like G two throughout the year was like the arse would all could always just fall out of their like uh their album their level, like another a good example of this is uh, G two versus XL. Watch the final series and the. BO5 series. That's yeah. the same team within a week of each other, yeah? Mm, what do you true. think of those two? What do you think of those two series, uh, Rich? Do you think they were anything like each other? No, that's a good, that's a good point. That right, great. what about Mad Lions and what do you call it, Spring compared to Mad Lions at MSI? 
what did G2 do to Madlands at MSI? They scorched Earth, these motherfuckers, off the face of the planet. They were they looked awful against them in spring. And I think this G2 team, I, I'm not even trying to make that many excuses for them. Because I do genuinely think NRG, like, did give them the business in some ways. The Tam Kench sent a bot lane. I think Mickey X and Sam are really, really flundered. Just to go on Seal's comment just a bit about holistics. I, when this G2 roster was made, I think everyone was like, okay, like, caps, you know? Like, amazing. He, he didn't have a great world, but caps is caps. This is, like, the first time, I think, there was periods of this team, caps was, like, the fourth best player. That has never been true of any other roster that he has ever been on. And when we had to, like, move where we were actually going to be getting caps in terms of uh, his own, like, personal level and this prospect of going internationally i think we had to move move the gauge on where this roster uh, yeah. could go Agreed. because for example when we went into msi mickey x and hans hammer right were given every bot lane the business in europe right and they i'm not saying they lost but like elk on either one lane or like drew against them every single game and it happened again this at this world's again they became really, really reliant on these like independent leads that like Hansama and Mickey X were able to create. And then when they weren't able to create them, because they had moved away from this like turret, like this uh setting up waves and like dive style that they had with like Yike and Winter, they like and they had the Yike playing way more tank play throughout the rest of the year. <clears throat> I, I think they just it, it was all not that the team was like worse, but the team was was slower at like front running and uh, stopped stopped accelerating. Let, let me just put it left. this way, Kira: How yeah. many games, or at least important games, can we attribute that G two won through Caps getting a significant lane advantage? It just hasn't not really happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, and by the way, I really wanted this. Nesky. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> Nisky, that series. Oh, but um, the like, I just want to talk about this a little bit because. EU fans, or I guess specifically G2 fans, seem to be allergic to the idea, and it's like the, this, by the way, it's like the most triggering thing online of like 2023, like whenever I mention it, they get so upset when you allude to the fact that Caps isn't an amazing laner. I never even say like he's a bad laner or he can't lane or whatever. He's not a great laner. By the way, this is a big problem that we have in EU in general, is that our mid laners stopped being good laners, generally speaking, which of course, it isn't ideal for a region at all. Caps specifically is not a particularly good laner, and that is a big problem. And what you said about Hans and Mickey smashing every single lane in like the early stages of winter and um, even yeah going into MSI uh, on that form, that was like the lane condition of like the win condition, and that's what allowed um, Yike to play how he played and to get super greedy in jungle and take all those camps and trade sides all the time. Like Caps, when that doesn't happen. Caps is not winning his lane to the degree where they have this alternate path to victory. And I think that is a big problem. I think Broken Blade's fine, like, decent lane or whatever. Again, people got really triggered when I suggested that his laning was, like, a similar level to Caps. But he's not going to smash, especially internationally, you're not going to win through a top laning lane advantage. And that is a huge problem. You have one lane. It's your win condition, by the way. And you don't even have, like, the best AD and, bot, uh, AD and support in the world. Which I'm not can saying I, can I just ask but... a question, just really what quick? What do you think, Phil? There's two things that I want to talk about, but like yeah. one is when you talk about like competitive League of Legends, do you think it's easier to snowball the game through middle bot? Bots. Now or when G, right now or when are you talking about? Just, just like now. Holistically and like, yeah. uh, like League of Legends, yeah, meds, meds always easier. 
Yeah, but this I mean, this year with the bot centric meta, if you let me put it this way, if I get two successful four man dives off on bot, the game should be over. If I if my jungler ganks well for my mid laner, the game's not over in all probability, right? So I would say bot. Here's my opinion right now. I think with like plates and um, like the changes to tower plating and everything, uh, and like Herald and the fact that bot lane is two people. The, the meta itself is you play through mid into bot. Yeah, meta bot, yeah. right? What you do you, you, right, or you play through mid and you go to a side lane. But mid is like not mid is more of a facilitator, right? And the reason is like pretty simple. It's way harder to win mid lane than it is to win other lanes because mid the mid lane itself is way shorter in a competitive game, right? Yeah. So it's much harder to create like wave advantages and base advantages. And man advantages as well. Like, I mean, to... not, not really, because you can get prior and you can create man advantages. But like in general, oh, I, I think you mean the 2v2. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, but in general, like it's not that Caps is bad at laning. Like, I actually, I'm not sure I agree with you there, Rich, but I mean, I can see it. I just think that like winning the game through mid is just not really a thing done anymore. Like even Knight, like even if you look at the best teams. And the second question is this, like, do you guys think LNG is a good team? And what do you mean by that? Like, as like, in, like, what, like, are they a good team of like people playing together, or are they a good team? Like, as in, like, where do you, a good where do you team? place them? Where do you place them? Power Second rank? best team in the world. Third or fourth, third or fourth best team. Here's in the, the world. thing. Like, do you know how many games that LNG won versus like in, in the LPL in the regular season than WBG? Yeah, they won. They won. They won wait, WBG. So Weibo Gaming, how many more yeah, games? Yeah, I think I think won? I think in summer they only won something like, or they only won two more series, I think. But two, like, no, no, they won two more games. Yeah, uh, games. Okay, there games, and they play about forty games, right? So yeah, the, okay. the competition in in LPL is actually really tight. Yeah, but we have, uh, so, first. Oh, sorry, you're... So just because you see Weibo regular season fifth, sixth place, it doesn't actually like actually show how competitive China is right now. Like they had. Some really good teams. For example, um, Shanji, yeah, here. OMG Shanji, like the, the, yeah. the way that they played it early on and in, in the, in the season was like super interesting. Like the region itself is massively competitive. So I think WVG is like really, really underrated right now. And there's a non zero chance, and you can quote me on this, that they're in the finals. There is a non zero chance that you see a WVG versus JDG finals. Did you think they're. Oh, sorry. You think I they're think... like they could beat like uh, Gen G and yes, and, like... yes, of course, yeah. Oh, see, I, I think disagree. A... I disagree with that. No, no, I mean, that, obviously that, they could. But I, I think that. Um, oh. I also think stylistically that's a horrible matchup for. Well, it is, but I think I just think that there's a non-zero chance. That's what I'm saying. That's how yeah, good yeah, I, I, I Sure. Right. Um, okay. Of course, stylistically, it's like not the best, but there is a non-zero chance. I really think that, and and you can't always say that for a lot of teams, right? Um, no, that's correct. I get what you mean. So, so it's like. You know, how 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 good are they really? You know, I don't think they're very good. Like I think like WB. Sorry, you want to add in something, Rich? No, 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 no. I was just gonna. Like, I mean, you can say this in in your uh, sort of closing points as well, because I want to sort of move us along a little bit here. But um, I just wanted to go to you, Kira, about. So, how do you think this this series uh, is going to go? And then to add on to what you're probably about to say, how far would you put Weibo ceiling then in that case? No, I was actually just gonna go like back 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 to the series. I think Weibo ceiling is like this ethereal property, very similar to like Fnatic uh, ceiling. It's so funny because there's actually so many parallels. I seem to see. Yeah, I like that I analogy. Yeah, Chinese um, Fnatic. 
Yeah, what they call there's so many like like Oscar Grinning and the Shy just don't give a fuck about lane state and they just go death push to the detriment of their jungler, regardless of any map state ever given to them. Like uh Zhao Hu and Humanoid <laughs> historically overrated, <laughs> carried by their junglers. Their uh, ADCs don't like going forward. So is then RG getting any games in this one, Kiro? Yeah, I think they could probably they could actually probably win games. It's really it, there's certain like matchups in this like series are like super volatile like Dokla into like depending on like what Dokla wants to play uh into the shy um also like the the shoot depends on like how like balanced each like their is and I across the average I would expect like Weibo gaming to probably like just win the majority win the majority of early games just because of the way Weiwei's playing right now. Weiwei's also got like a depth of like access to like junglers that for series play that like a lot of other people like don't have. Like Weiwei can go deep into like jungle pools for game like for series play of like just like silver bulleting you. I think uh, for, for example when they beat uh NRG's like um when they beat C9, one of the ways that I thought NRG was like beating C9 in finals is they had like much better understanding of like side lanes and like catching like people greeting in sides now Weibo Gaming are pretty like good at doing this themselves but they also tend to greed in sides so I think there's an interesting dynamic there you know what I mean contracts like plays and moves a lot for it Palafox moves a lot for it so I think there's a, the problem is it's just player strength mismatch mm, yeah. and just like individual I just don't see NRG like being able to find that many wins I would like to point out one thing like, if you go look, just around, like, the way the teams, like, play team fights, I-, I call it the slow roll, but other people just call it, like, playing slowly or, like, baiting out cooldowns. Weibo games suck at it, man. They're so shit. They- their team fighting's dog shit, man. It's so bad. It's it's absolutely horrendous, like, some of, like, the angles and, like, openings that they, like, take into. And you look at the quality of their players and you can only ask, like, why is this being happening? So... I don't know if NRG is going to be able to find ways to like bait them in and beat them, but you know, we've seen the NRG be better than Weibo at team fighting, and then we've seen G two be better than Weibo. So it's not completely out of the question. I just don't know how much it could be relied upon considering gold leads. Uh, I feel yeah, that's like, all really what to say about them. I feel like DRX and oh, DRX, um, D plus Kia and Weibo are both what I would call coaching issue potentially uh rather than skill issue uh i think well it's a very lazy uh bit of analysis but it's essentially like player strength versus how coordinated and clean teams they are i feel like they're both um if you had a coach that was better than average in the context you do know it's the damn one coach the one that won worlds or no the one that i think it's either the one that won worlds or the one that got into world's finals it's denny or deny yeah. Uh, the guy that like fucked everything up. Mate, as I said, I've just thrown out something based on pure. No, no, I'm just uh, saying who it is. Current narrative. I don't care if this guy won. As I said, I think if I have this JDG roster, I might be a world champion coach, mate. So that <laughs> that means fuck all to me. Uh, so I'm I'm getting three one vibes from you, Kira. Is that what you're going? Uh, for? Like uh, like again, it's so much predicated on like what each team. I would need to like, see, but, like but, 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 give me a score. I don't want to hear about energy can win. Energy can win blue side games. Um, so I don't know which side they start on. So, 
But I think just they, across they, that. I think if it's left to right, that means they start blue or, or they, they get first pick. But I think, I, I think Wearable should win. 3 1 Wearable. But I wouldn't be completely surprised by any game score. I'm going 3 2 Wearable. I think that uh, they'll default to comfort in game five and just annihilate them. But actually, I, I think uh, 3 2. What do you think, Seal? Can I get. I mean, I'm guessing you're going 3 0 here. You seem pretty. I, uh, I think I think 3 1 or 3 0. But like the thing is, there's a lot of volatility in, in Wearable style. Um, yeah. Like personally, I think their top side is not not amazing. Like way way plus the shy, I don't think that that they're amazing. But uh, I mean, stylistically speaking, I think the shy is like pretty happy into Dokla as well. So, um, what do you not like about way way on the context of weable gaming? I mean, I just don't think he's like a top player. Oh yeah, he's, he's not a top player. A top player at I all. Think, but I like... think. Like from like in general, I think there's like a jungle famine around the world because I, I don't see too many jungles where I'm like excited about the talent anymore. Like before, when you had you know the ambition era, right? Like in 2015, 2016, when he retired after winning worlds, um, he handed the torch onto like Canyon, Canyon and these like and these like exciting like Tarzan, right? And these exciting kind of prospects, right? The only exciting prospect in jungle that I've seen recently is Kanavi, and he went to China in JDG, right? Like mm -hmm. who, who's exciting right now? Owner? I don't think Owner's exciting at all. I think he's like average. If he's on I think, like Lee or something, yeah, I think he's. Yeah, but I think I think the old guard is still better. Like I think Peanut Canyon. I prefer them any day of the week. Like even Clid, right? So, so it's like um, I just think that way way compared to the the competition is is maybe their whole as well as like the shy's volatility. This this roster itself is very volatile. So you can even see a three two, but realistically speaking, I think something like a three one on a good day could be three zero. But in general, I think that Weibo uh, are the better team. And you could say coaching issues and whatnot, but in my opinion, from the consistent patterns that I see, I think Daney knows how to win games. That's what I think. I mean, I, 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 that was, to be clear, that comment yeah. is based on absolutely yeah. nothing. I, I'm, not, the... I'm, not sure, I, I'm not sure if Daney's like great at adapting to his rosters, right? Like mm. if he has different players, that's what, I'm not sure about that. But on paper, you can tell that they know how to win games. Like the, the way they set up, All the actual say... execution is like terrible. Like yeah. when they get into team fights, they lose their mind. They just the shot is like, and then just presses every button and like the fight goes to shit, right? But where they sit and all this is just way better than NRG in my opinion. So sure, right? Let's talk about Gen G versus BLG. Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah, uh, obviously the goat peanut making his uh, bracket debut. Uh, I mean, I guess again, lazy analysis would be: Can Genji overcome Bin into Doran? That seems like it might be a pretty rough uh, win con there. Uh, Kira, what do you think about this series? I mean, I guess Genji go into this pretty, pretty uh, heavy favorites, especially after BLG's performance against uh, T1. How, how do you see this? Quick question. What do you actually think? Just no, I'm not even memeing you. What do you actually think of like Peanut and like Delight and like when you had them in like the group stages? Like what do you think of how they performed? I didn't think they were great. I'll be honest. Okay. No, no, that's fine. Okay, because I actually think the person is not playing the best, but like you eventually if someone plays good for long enough, they eventually have to become like a good player. You can't just keep maiming them. Ben actually used to be the status. Ben everyone used to say this about Ben. He's like the best player in the world until he ends. All right, okay, now we say he's the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world because he eventually stopped doing that int part and that that's it. Like, Ben just became, like, the prodigal son of China. It's like 50 CSDs, like, every single game. Mm. So 
it, this is the clock handle. Chove, can Chove, like, annihilate Yagal enough to the point where, like, and can Ben stop, like... Because Ben's intrinsic leads that he creates by himself, he then plugs holes in the map. Like, go watch the BLGG2 series. He's, like, 50 to 40 CS up against uh, BB. BB gets to come back into the game because Ben goes to a Drake, he TPs to a bot lane dive, and he, t he does, like, a mid-gang. And, like, BB gets all this gold back into the game, but, like, Ben, like, uses his advantage to, like, yeah. help his, like, teams. But his team didn't give Ben that advantage. He created yeah. the majority of that on his own. Like, he's quite a unique player right now um, in, uh, in League of Legends. This, for me, is just, like, it's a bit of a shame because there's not that, like, head-to-head. -head. You've got ve two very, like, static, like, bot lanes where I think, like, Gen G bot lane are going to just attempt to, like, coast it out to, in my eyes and they're going to just try and get to the point where they can hold midsection and let Peanut and Chove just try and create man advantages and sides and constantly catch Ben and then go do something. The really interesting part of this is going to be the, who's going to ban the Jax and if Jax isn't banned, who's going to pick it? earlier on because the theory is is that like Ben cannot lose on Jax or you have to be GDG okay can Genji find because the BO5 you're going to give him Jax once and see if you know Doran can beat him on like Poppy and just see if it can happen and then what do you do after that because if you beat them with that does he just do it again and if you don't beat him with that like where do you go and then there's just so many angles obviously Yagao is known for like being like Someone who not that good at laning, but once given prio from his use of like jungle or support, he was really good at like moving to like sides and creating like good skirmish situations. Um, that's really hard against Chovy. Now Chovy's brain blew up last time at MSI, but like if you go watch all the laning stages, like it's like mid game where Chovy loses his mind. The laning part of it's all still very good. So. You've got kind of just got to hope that like Chovy's brain doesn't explode and Peanut doesn't think he's a carry jungle player and like you know the coaching staff actually keep control of the team or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't know why I'm blaming the coaching staff, but to me this is a super good series because this is going to kind of show you what playoff Gen G looks like and whether or not this team is actually. You know, I mean, have, have they gotten over their issues? And it's an amazing chance because this is the team that blew them out at MSI. So. Yeah, I feel I like it's kind of uh, the draft is sort of picking your poison between um, denying Yagao being a human at all by taking away his favourite picks versus like trying containing the Jacks uh, or whatever in top for bin. And I don't know what, where you go with that necessarily, but I would start the game by targeting bin because I would trust Chovy enough anyway into Yagao no matter what. I feel like Yagao is a player that... Lots of people get suckered into every year and like overhyping as a like super super elite of the elite player. He's our He's just he's yeah, China exactly exactly where he's just not that guy. Like I'm not saying he's bad. He's good, but he's not that guy. Um, what do, what do you think about this series, Seal? Where where do you think this one goes? I mean, you go is. I mean, I think. I think to discredit Yagao and say he's not an elite player is a bit... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, elite, he's not right? elite of the elite. He's not Knight, Scout, uh, Chovy. You know, he's yeah, a he's tier not. below. He's a tier below so, that. So basically, like, yeah, he's similar to Niski. He knows how to win games and he makes teams better. Yeah. Um, but stylistically, if you look at Yagao's history, where he struggled the most is if a team can match mid 1v1, the mid jungle, or, or get a lead, and then 
generate that lead and, and shift it into a side lane, probably bot a lot of the time, right? Yep. So the way that I see this matchup is that I think Vin is the better player in top side. Yep. I think with Chovy into Yagao matchup, it's just not a very good stylistic matchup for Yagao. And Peanut plus Chovy together can generate enough leads where I think Pays and Delight can outcarry Bin just because of the meta and how things are. That's just my opinion. So if if they if they stylistically focus on their strengths, which is to play mid jungle into bot side, even though I don't think Pays is, you know, ruler from like last year, it's not the same at all. If a stat um, stack. But he's not bad. He's not bad at all. No, it's fine being a stat stack. I said this to like one He's really not bad, and I and I think that, for example, um, Delight is has has been really underrated for a long time. I think he's yeah. he's like really similar to like Lee Hens and stuff, right? But still, like from a developmental perspective and from like a skill perspective, they're not ruler. They're, they're still not like that ruler level or like Guma Carrier. Because if you've ever scrimmed against Guma Carrier, like you don't, I mean, not crazy. this world, but last year, like you don't know how to win. Like it's like what the fuck is it? Like what is this? You know? Um. So anyway, my main point is, I think that um bin is like the the joker card if they can find some solo kills into doran sure but i also think doran is an elite player um i think that he's like i think it has really, been best high second half yeah i mean but he's but historically look at him historically he's always been good under pressure he's just he's historically had a decent champion pool he can play both weak side and strong side i don't think he's like a generational player that we saw with like Faker or, or like I think for example Guma and I think even to a limited extent Zeus I think Zeus is actually really really good he didn't look that great recently but of course I know he didn't look great recently but like no, if, you look at his, if you look at his peaks right yeah um, no so, yeah. I mean, me and you agree here by the way like yeah. I actually even though the yeah, results I, say otherwise <laughs> yeah I think I think like a 3-1 or 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 3-2 for for Genji personally I think it's close but Stylistically speaking, you go into Chobi. If you look at the way that they lost in um, in, in LPL, uh, the way that they lost is because of Scat and because of uh, Knight Kanavi duo. Like it, it's always through mid, and then they kind of lock Yagao in lane, and then they find the leads that they would normally find elsewhere, right? And then when you go into mid game, obviously, then this, the better stat stick wins. Can I just so. say one quick, one quick, one, two, two actual quick points. First of all, is at this tournament, I know we've all been talking about bot-centric, and maybe I'm just completely reading it. In my opinion, top side has been winning out to bot side. This, this always happens to a certain extent, and, though. Like, there's always this shift at Worlds where the Eastern me, uh, tops come in, and yeah, things get chucked on their head. I mean, again, but this is—it's a really like broader, interesting point about like how mm -hmm. we, the prism, we view the game from, and we're like, it's yeah. a bot-centric meta. It's like, yeah, absolutely. In Europe, it is definitely a bot-centric meta. But and it was everywhere else yeah, as well, right? I was going to say, and yeah. even in LPL this year, that was yeah. the difference. It was like, even in LPL, it's a bot-centric meta. Maybe we can survive with, like, you know, tank player, tank tops or whatever when we get to Worlds. And then we get to Worlds, and like fucking clockwork, you just see these cunts fucking barreling down the lane playing these carry picks uh, to a 2 by level. So, yeah, no, that is interesting. So, Gon, what's your, what's your second and point? And saying quite as... I don't know, I, like, Jun, who's, like, part of, like, when Jun is, like, like I, I don't know what to call comfortable, but when Jun's, like, enabled, like, BLG's, like, how quickly they, like, accelerate and, like, push on, like, they put the gas on and, like, start to win games and, like, accumulate gold lead, it gets really, 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 really scary. I think it's not, not so much, I'm not going to say it's, like, daddy word, but I think Jun's not been good at this. Like, every time I rewatch like, the games, Jun's been 
not good at this world. Like, and that is a big problem because I think to beat Genji, you have to yeah. individually get on top of Peanut, Peanut and yeah. suffocate him. And I don't know if Jun's in the kind of form where he can do that. Because exactly. I, I think if I hadn't seen, watched World so far and I was asked to pick this series, I would pick it differently. But I'm actually going to say 3-0 Genji because I think if Peanut isn't suffocated and they're just allowed to play Genji League of Legends, for lack of a better phrase... I think it's a, a nasty, nasty matchup for BLG. Um, but yeah, if Zun was coming in in a much better form, I might even flip that on its head. I mean, not necessarily 3-0, but maybe a 3-1 BLG or something. Because if Peanut gets, yeah, put off the rails... Isolated 1v1s in, like, jungle. Like, yeah. Peanut's, like, good at dealing with them, but it is, like, a recipe for consistently it's a beating Jin. It's a yeah. wing-con. Like, if Kanavi's playing... That is your wing-con. Like, straight up, if JDG play, like... I mean, they have loads of wing-cons. But if JDG play uh, uh, Genji, that would be the wing-con I would go for because that, like, scuppers everything for, for Genji. Like, they've got so much less power. I think we're actually pretty aligned. The only reason I didn't do 3-0 is because I think that Bin is, like, a generation yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, that, I've got a 3-1. I think Ben on Gwen or Jax or something. Just win a game like, alone. Yeah, win a game, yeah. yeah. I, I could see a game where, like, Bin gets two or three solo kills, Doran loses confidence. That's why I said 3-1 or 3-2. Yeah, but, like, yeah, if it wasn't field. for Bin, if it wasn't for Bin, I would have just said 3-0 because I think top lane is a role where you can actually just individually make the difference if your junglers are both parting into bot side. That's 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 the kind of the reason why top lane starts to matter at Worlds. So if you don't have really strong lane fundamentals, you struggle. And that's why actually, on another note, Oduwamne is so good at Worlds, historically. Actually, 1v1s. At any time Oduwamne goes to Worlds, his fundamentals are so good. Like, he was one of the few players where, when I coach him, like, individually, along with Larson, you don't have much to say about his fundamentals. Like, you talk about, oh, yeah, you could play this way better or something, right? But... He just knows and he studies the matchups in the right way. And he has a good idea on what he's good at. For example, like I, I remember last Worlds, I was talking to him. I really think that we should play Karma because Karma is a champion that can like neutralize Artrox in lane. You don't have to skill check enemy and you can just play uh, team fights to like outscale. But then he said no, because like he's confident that his fundamentals are good enough that even against Eastern tops, he could play like Fiora, right? Or like into an Artrox matchup and not get rolled. Um, and that's kind of what made Odomne special. I think that Doran also has pretty good fundamentals, but Bin is like that extra step. Beyond, in, he's yeah, beyond fundamentals. Yeah. Like he, he knows how to, it's kind of like Knight, you know? Have you seen the Knight-LeBlanc-Galio matchup? How he played LeBlanc-Galio? Oh, really? Oh, attacks and minions from like... Yeah, he sits, yeah, he sits yeah. behind the casters and sits there for like 15 seconds auto-attacking Galio every time the casters auto-attack and he takes zero, zero aggro. Like, you don't see that shit, you know? It's like... <laughs> yeah, it's, Night POVs yeah. are absurd for, like, yeah. all these little, like, little tactics that he has. It's, it's I mean, everyone, says, everyone says Scout's the best player, but I think I think, I think Knight's the best player in the world right now. That's what I think. Yeah, that, that he was number like, one on my, on my top yeah, 10 list. I, I, had, I had him above Scout as well. I, actually, I think it's just... I think, for me, it was just what each player, like, meant to their team. So I had it as Chove, then it was, like, Knight, then Scout. But here, um, an interesting um, one for you is... Uh, just like a uh, funny reminder, did you what? Uh, can you remember when he, they picked the uh, the gerbil into Benjamin? What's it fucking called? 
Rumble. Uh, BB played it. Um, range Nar. They played oh. Nar into Ben, and he's like, like melee range, going to like throw like the E into the Renekton in it, and Ben still dodges it and wins the trade, and the entire game is fucked because then he has to go to like the Jarvan. It's like any other player I ain't dodging that skill shot. They're all flashing, and Ben just sidesteps it. And you're just like, nah, bro, that's that was too cold. I'm like, how he didn't flash that is. Maybe Flash was down and I'm forgetting, but like Ben's Ben is crazy. Yeah, and it's was sorry you go. Do you guys really think that Zune is that good though? Uh, I think no. So Zune's from the same class as like Bo and the OMG jungler. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, when I, I watched it, sorry you go. I think Bo's generational. I don't think Zune is generational. Oh. I think Zune is just a, a your gal. When I watched them in LDL, I actually had Bo as the third, the OMG jungler as the second, and Zune is the best. Um, but this is just when we were in LDL. Um, and then obviously Bo had this meteoric rise because of his time period in FBX, and June went on to like a feeder team, and now like June got his chance. But my problem with like June is that now he's went up to this like next level. He has a massive problem in like mid game. He he's like Hillisang. He can't sit on like a winning situation. He must look for a play, even though it might be losing. And that's, like, good for, like, BLG, because BLG will just, like, Torah, 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 and they'll follow up, even if it's, like, in brackets, bad. And they might win anyway, because their team fighting is, like, some of the best in the world. But that is, like, an issue that, like, he has, and he, like, gains from being on the team rather than, like, as additive for me. By the way, um, fun little tidbit, because, uh, and Seal, you're one of the only people who'll be able to talk to this. Last World, I was telling Kira beforehand, because Kira said to me, and I think it was definitely true, he said, oh, like, loads of top laners, especially Western top laners, are just completely fucked if you can't play Fiora, because it changes, like, how draft works, basically. And I said to him, I was like, don't worry, Otto can actually play Fiora, he's actually really good at Fiora. And I know, at the time, he was playing it in scrims against good top laners and was doing really well from it. So I was like, just wait, he's going to bring it out. He's going to bring it out. And he okay. never played it. So when you <laughs> no, said no that just then, and I was thinking, oh, no one's going to know what you're talking about because the whole world thinks he's like never played this champion and can't play it. And you're talking about Otto playing Fiora. But it is true, isn't it? He was actually a good Fiora. He just didn't play it. So, so something that I learned from, I mean, I learned a lot from Odo actually. Um, but something that I learned from Odo is that it reinforced my idea that you need to play relative to your team. Like, you, like Europe needs to be European style, right? So for example, all year, I actually embraced that philosophy. So if you actually look at Odo historically, he didn't play Jace, even though he was a really good Jace. And then when I came in on spring, I actually made him play Jace. I was like, we should play Jace. He's actually a really good Jace. So we were actually playing like weak side, strong side, where you'd play like strong side champs, weak side, and he'd do really well with it. And even play hard to top side. Um, and and Fiora was like a, just another example, but at Worlds I kind of buckled. I'll be honest, I kind of buckled because I saw these Eastern top. He's the like, one to blame, Kira. That's why I, we never I, saw and, it. And I was like, um, I'm I'm not the one to blame actually because I didn't end up going because of personal issues. But oh, yeah, um, true. like during the boot camp, I was like, I was watching these Eastern top laners play in like POVs and shit, right? And I was like, man, Odo's good, but. These guys are really, really, really good. So I was like, hey, Odo, what do you think about playing, uh, playing Karma? And he said, fuck you, basically, and just like locked in the Fiora. <laughs> and he was still like, good, like he was good, you know? Like he was actually pretty good at Fiora. I mean, I don't think he's actually insane on Fiora, but he was like good enough where I was like, he could play Fiora and he could also play into Fiora. This was the key. 
Yeah, yeah being able to play the Fiora. Fiora is an mm. important content. So. Um, like even for example, Artrox Fiora matchup is actually really hard for the Artrox side unless you it play. Can it be really one. Well. Yeah, but it can be one. Yeah, but, yeah, because yeah, you you have window from level four to five and then seven to nine because Fiora, like pre pre Sandra Fiora actually loses lane, and he knew how to like abuse these spikes perfectly, and that was like the difference for me. And and really, I kind of changed my philosophy at Worlds, but it was really great that in the end that he just kind of pushed on. And uh, the reason we didn't see it, I think, was like a team issue. From scrims and stuff, I can't really. Well, we don't. You hear that? Kind of, what kind of thing? Where's that big I worked problem? Remotely, right? What's that? I worked remotely, so I still saw yeah. everything that was happening. Um, it just came down to like, where do we put resources on the map? And like, one of the big reasons that this team failed, like Koi failed, was I think there were two people sacrificing. Like, they're all really greedy and they're stubborn about the way that they should view the game. So, for example, Freddy's like a really strong believer in three winning lanes. Um, Larson really wants resources. Comp really wants resources. Trimby really wants resources, right? So if Odo and Malrung didn't give up resources, this team was dysfunctional. And what ended up happening was Odo left, and then Shigenda is not as good as a weak side player, although I think he could be. And they tried to play like Fiora top with Shigenda, right? Yeah. And I think that's why the, that, I think that's why the the team boomed. It really. Um, but anyway, off topic. Yeah, I, no, I agree. He's good. He's good Fiora. He's good Fiora. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I'm going. 3-0 Genji. Sounds like Seal's a 3-1 probably. Um, three, one game, well. game for Bin. So game for Bin, love for Bin, but we're all we're all going Genji. Right, let's move on to JDG versus KT, which I actually think is a pretty cool series. Um KT have shown a pretty good level, I think, at times this tournament. It's uh I disagree uh, <laughs> with that. But yeah, I think that obviously it's JDG and I would have liked to have seen one more series from KT against, for example, a BLG or something like that, where they could put in like a really solid performance that would give me a lot more faith that they maybe could do something in this matchup. But as I said, they are against JDG and it is difficult for me at least to see uh, a winning angle here. Although we have seen obviously some favorable straight up sort of you know if we talk about different cultures or metas uh melting together or into each other or against each other lck do completely fine against lpl so far so i'll start with you seal is there an angle here for kt what is the angle if there is one how how could they win this do you have have faith in kt in this matchup or do you think it's doomed um i need to i need to just look at it again actually I'll go. I'll go to Kira. I'll go to Kira first while he's reminding himself. So, no, okay. so right, everyone. If the JDG loses, is obviously just going to laugh. But you base your analysis on what's happened. Not what you think. First of all, big problems. Keen not playing well. Keen is just straight up not playing well. That's true. Second problem, right? Second problem. They have top laner. They have sort of top laner. Um, jungler. I always get his name. It's cause I always get mixed up. With, uh, like I move them between two teams. But um, as like literally even though Keen is not playing well, which I can agree, and like wasting more flashes than bankers waste money, his jungler is not covering him on like appropriate waves. And it's really, really like toxic because you were talking about like you have to play to the players you have in your team. Keen is going to push that wave. Like Keen is going to do it. He has been doing it all year, right? And now you have decided to not cover the wave. It was cause I didn't get a mouse right round. Yeah, it was, yeah. So that take that into to account that the best part of KT is borderline dysfunctional, and you're playing against three six nine, who I think is the at this world currently the second best performing player. I think this is going to be like 
GDG could 3-0 them, even with blue side being as strong as it is. But I will caveat one thing. Home and BO5s always does like some weird funky like eagle draft where he'll like give everything or he'll like give over like a permaban pick just to see if he can like greed it and like eagle on you. Um or like he just like sticks like knight on like counter pick comfort for I don't know what reasons, maybe like knight astra and they can lose those games. The second thing is I think Kanavi's been playing pretty well. Um, I'm quite happy with a lot of the stuff that he's been doing. Uh, Kanavi at Worlds, like, however, um, sometimes can have, like, like not chokes, but like, just, like, weird, like, blow-ups in, like, series, whereas, like, performance, apart from the Rogue one where he, like, decapitated Malrang, but he, like, he, like, like, get worse as, like, a series goes on as, like, the pressure seems to, like, build up for him. And that's more of, like, a narrative thing, so I wouldn't, like, count on it too much, but it has happened both times to, like, when he, like, had, like, the big losses against SKT, against SKT and the other one against um, the Benz team uh, in 2020 Worlds. Bot lane, this sh- missing ruler should just annihilate this bot lane, really. Unless Lahens can find some funky picks, which I do respect, you know what I mean, Lahens for doing. That's why I wanted to see KT G2, because I felt like this was like the best team G2 could like beat, possibly, in the BO5. Outside of that, it's nothing. And Knight, I don't know, like, BDD's got a bit of depth, and I do actually respect his learning. His POVs, like, whenever I watch them, whenever I can grab them throughout the year, or, like, solo queue, they're, like, I, like, I think they're respectable. I think he's been and good he has, at like, this tournament as well, so far as well. Yeah, like, Especially but, considering Keane's underperformance. Knight's just a, 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 a player of a different magnitude. As much as I respect BDD, and he, he is actually one of my favourite, like, players... Like Knight's brain would have to like blow up, or he'd, he'd like just have to start like choking it out again. Because there's no nothing tells me that like that BDD is going to do, or where BDD can go and draft that can like stop Knight doing what Knight wants to do. Like I don't know what BDD picks now. He remember when he played the Seraphine and nearly sniped uh EDG in the year they won. Like BDD in series prep can go deep. Like and I respect that. You're like you can go deep. Like Knight's. Champion pool was a joke, and he can he, he's shown this vex now. How I don't know how much more he's going to have in store, but I don't see how you can like pinch mid and get like Knight onto something he's going to be ineffective. And even if you push him all the way down onto like a mismatch Silas matchup, like that's just gravy for Knight at this point in time. So I'm not really sure where they go. I think GDG either beat them like 3 0 3 1. I, I would tend to, to agree. I think I'm maybe slightly higher on, on KT in the sense that I just think that... I mean, I think they're a good team. I do think they're a legitimately yeah, so good that. team, but I don't yeah. see the angle. Seal, how do you see this one? I mean, I, I also think that like part of the reason they looked as good as they did domestically was because T1 had that whole issue with like Faker stepping down, Poppy stepping in. And that kind of changed the dynamic of the league, I think, a lot. Um, and then mm-hmm. I also think that like D plus Kia had a bit of a like a like a, a dip in performance in general. Um, I think KT saving Grace is maybe like maybe there's a world, maybe there's a world where like BP, BDD Cuz can like hold the ground and then Kin can get a couple solo kills. Um, but I just think that when you look at JDG's kind of roster they're, they're cheating you know 
Like, if they change your gal for night and they change hope for fucking ruler, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I'll do I'll do a score line prediction. I won't just do a score prediction. I'll do a score line prediction. I think. Kian will end like one two two or one three two something like this. Mid will get solo killed, but will get solo killed, and it'll be three and one. I think the score will be three one or three zero, and it'll only be three one because JDG lose their minds and like Kanavi yeah. plays for double crab and dies like level one two three four five or something like this. Yeah. And to be honest, I think KT's coaching staff, specifically Hirai, is a specialist in failure. I think that he's being carried by Rapid Star this year. Um, oh, like that. That's just my opinion. No, I mean, no, no. I'm saying I, I like that. It was good. I mean, look at his, look at his, his, his incredible miracles, incredible failures. He was the owner of that shit, you know. Um, and I, and I know from you know, like my connections, how working there is like. So, <clears throat> if Hirai does not terrorize, just listens to you know Rapid Star, and Supreme just takes a step back and. Maybe they have good drafts. Who knows? Maybe there's an upset there, right? But I think, I think it's very, very bleak. Three zero three one for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock in a, a, a tasty three zero. Right. I think Kian will be mostly useless. He'll have like one shining moment and then be mostly useless, and they'll lose. Kian's at his best when he's like able to in a series like show like the depth of like his like playbook, but it doesn't like. I watched KT and I watched him counterpick R5 like Renekton in like game five of the series. And that to me is like not sinful for, like in the sense of like LS is sinful. Sinful is in like your coach is going to hell for doing that to your team. Like that's, that, not, it was, that's not the coach though. I don't think that's the coach. Or, or the player. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Player, coach, everyone involved, anyone who thinks that like that is in any way, shape, acceptable. Like you have lost your mind and you have left like reality. When Keem was playing like the Rise, like one-off games and stuff like that, that's him at his like best. Just playing like constant rotations. Like I was really wanting to see like Keem like play like GP or something. You know what I mean? Like I thought well, like the buffs, there was like a possibility. And because like uh, KT loved like specialist global comps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Nocturne and TF. You add it through in a GP, it gives you like double or triple. Although I don't know if you want to go that heavy into it. And we just didn't see that. that. That version of KT has not arrived. And I, mean, it's really I, think sad. I think Keen's really happy when you're not playing like League of Legends. He's happy when you're playing World of Warcraft and it's PvP 1v1 topside. Yeah. And uh, jungles are just matching and the game is just chill. The yep. game will not look like this. You're playing against Kanabi Knight. Yes, I agree. Knight, Knight will force a bad base on BDD, get a good wave, move into topside, take full topside jungle control. The next time, next turn, they'll go into bot side, give push out to bot with a zero one or zero two bot lane because ruler missing probably like two v two'd them. They're gonna move into Herald, take Carol. They're gonna take tower early. Kian's gonna be stuck there with like a one zero one Renekton and then be useless the whole game. That's my prediction. We'll see. Yeah, actually, I can see like, that happening. Like, actually, actually clip that shit and like, <laughs> I want yeah. I want to clip that shit and I want to go back and look at it on the two predictions. One was the Weibo gaming, possibly being in finals. Like there's a world that I think there's non-zero chances I said, and the other this one, one zero one into like one three two. Yeah, well here both one. Okay, I'm not joking. First of all, like ruler, as it's, I'm not like trying to just shut up. Ruler hasn't actually had to really do like anything crazy. The cluster game was not right. Okay, but that game was like pretty like wrapped up, but it was still a good game. Uh, like they were like just pissing about in that game. The really in the really interesting one 
for me is I actually think if Katie like won this, it's like a massive like upset. Like it I, it's the same way yeah. with like NRG beating like G two. Like I can't actually create like the scenarios in my head, even really? though they might have. I I couldn't create the scenarios for NRG beating like G two. I think G two had, had to really they had to really had to really sell themselves down the river and find the some thing is, creative if, angles. If if you actually like open up G 2s playbook. They're really, really like level one focused and laning focused. They they start from there. So like Han Sama is a specialist in lane. This guy will fuck your lane up and then yeah. he'll snowball. That's that's what he's good at, right? So if he plays in a passive region, he's just not as good. That's why Mickey was so good for him. Um whereas in NRG, their roster is actually not bad. If you look at the way the NA offseason went, like for me, I actually thought they had one of the better rosters. Cause like look at Golden Guardians roster. I think that Gory is for sure not dedicated to League of Legends. This guy is like, like I, I promise you, this guy is being chilling. Like he's being chilling, one hundred percent. Like I, I, I bet you, my left nut. And once again, you can clip this shit. He will be replaced. There is a zero percent chance he stays in Golden Guardians. In my opinion, zero percent chance. I think that the team Liquid experiment was beyond bad. They brought oh, in. They brought in like a Korean roster and then put a white guy in the middle, of like four Koreans, and then. <laughs> Like, it's like, it's like, I put a kindred one trick, paid him a billion dollars, made a five Korean roster with Korean coaching staff, fired the coaching staff, split one, and then like, <laughs> and then they, you know what I mean? And then, and then you have that one guy like trying to fit in with the Koreans, you know? It's like, it's like, what the fuck I is this? I got a picture of him coming into the food hall. Like, the come, Koreans like, are all sat on. at one desk and he's come he on. And Cloud Nine. The team. <laughs> and, and Cloud Nine, I mean, like, they're okay. You know, they're okay. But, like, oh. it's not like you don't, in like 2017, 2018, when they had some, like, actual decent roster, it's not the same anymore, you know? It's just not the same. It's like, they're okay. So, NRG actually, relative to the, to the league, had. Decent competition, but not amazing all throughout the year. So they had decent practice. They had a decent format and they had a decent roster. So I actually wasn't surprised at all. Fair um, but anyway. No, no, thank uh, you for that. The, that was... the, the Team Liquid one, I think. I mean, it's a philosophy thing probably, right? You know? Uh, that, that made me feel That's happy. Uh, what do you think, kind. Rich? What about... <laughs> Oh no, no, just G back back away. Dude, back dude, to JDG KT. Back to JDG KT. They stick the one one white guy in the Korean roster and then they're like, he can only play three champions. Of course you have four Koreans, so you can you're only allowed to play like three champions. Like <laughs> you're not allowed to play more champions. Like what do you think they're saying behind the scenes? Oh my god, he wants to play Ziggs, fuck that guy. Like anyway, sorry. What what do you think, Rich? About that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think That's it's just JDG. sad that KT, this is this is where it ends, I think, JDG 3-0. Who would you want yeah. to see them play? In the shadow KT? box? Yeah, uh, I think box. I think um, BLG in a best of five would be the most fun matchup okay. um, that they could play because I don't think they can beat the LNG um, or... And I've seen them play, you know, the other Korean team. So yeah, BLG KT would have been a cool best of five. Um, and I think KT would beat Weibo, for example. I think BLG would be a really interesting series. KT okay. BLG. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to what I think is the best series by Bang far. On. Oh um, yeah, LNG versus T1. Uh, T1 are just like 
just one of the weirdest teams in esports. Mm-hmm. Like they're just it's a fucking roller coaster with these guys. I think their fans have probably had every emotion under the sun this year with how up and down they've been. But they come into this in surprisingly good form. Uh, versus a team who I think most people had, including myself, as making the final if the bracket, you know, obviously lined up with that and they dodged JDG. Uh, in LNG, who are obviously a very good team themselves, um, yeah, this is this is an un yeah, this is a banger. This is a straight ah. up banger. Um, Seal, what do you cool. think about uh, what do you think about this one? So, <clears throat> the thing I need to talk about T one is the whole fear versus challenge mindset. Um, you've Coach been Seal on the book grind, by the way. Sorry, carry carry on, carry on. Sure, uh, but at least I quote like scholarly journals and academic journals, not fucking you know some some what's that? What's that book from Kobe Bryant? What, you know, Mamba or something? Mamba mentality? I don't know. Like at least I don't quote that shit. Show me um, your forearm, with... Seal. I want to see what fucking tattoo quote you've got on there. Come on, out with it. <laughs> Where have you been? Oh, yeah. then. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but like, but like, when you when you look at uh, T one structure, you have a player that is overwhelmingly powerful. You have a, a co owner in your company, mm-hmm. and an icon as your mid laner. Yep. So, the lucky thing the, the lucky thing about T one is, Faker from what you can see on the outside, seems to be a very reasonable and decent human being. That's the, that's the one thing they have going for them with a very good like image. Is this a right? win con? <laughs> What's going on this, here? This, this, this is not a win con, but it's like at least a saving grace because the whole point about challenge versus fear mindset that I was talking about is like when you have an overwhelmingly powerful or strong member in the team, like within like a, a team structure or team environment, your, your game can only go in the direction that they view. Generally okay, speaking, all right. it's very hard to like, uh, like give and take feedback in, in the right way, right? And luckily enough, you know, it's like when you have a dictator, when you have like a benevolent dictator, the country can actually do very well, right? And I think that Faker is like Faker is Singapore, that. yeah, in a way, right? But not, but in a I'm way, but he's, a bit, but he's not, he's not like the level that he used to be. That's the problem. So mm-hmm. while he is like a good person to have that role. They're so overwhelmingly reliant on him and they've lost a lot of time because of injury. That's my concern. Um, For me, I think what ironically T1 needs to do is take the gamble of, I mean, possibly getting someone else. But on the same note, if Faker retires, people even say that like Korean League of Legends dies, right? That's how big his name is. That's that's crazy. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's the problem. So, so. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's a world where T1 wins, um, but I just think that this team is so reliant on Faker and his performance and he, the way that he, he leads the team and the way that he talks to the team and the way he develops feedback. And I think they lost so much time that a, a team like LNG that has been cohesive, that have worked together the entire year with a much more flat team hierarchy um, would just play better as a team for me, I think, right? Like the, the rookies that I would really like to see spread their wings, like Guma or, or Zeus, are, are not doing it to the extent where I would like them to. Um, and that, that's like my one concern, I, I would say, with this, with this roster. So I'm going to go 3 1, um, just because I think that Scout can match Faker stylistically, like no problem. I think that um, they lost a lot of confidence because of just how the split went. 
and they've been working cohesively throughout the entire year and they've actually been peaking right so they did really well in the regional finals beating edg 3-1 right um they came second they, they were finalists in the lpl summer playoffs as well um taking jdg to five games this is a good team guys this is a good team so i think that um just like in league of legends how early game matters a lot right early game gold is the most important and how g2 i think actually suffered a lot because of the poor formatting the training that lng has had throughout the year will be their edge that's that's where i see the edge not player wise not stylistically nothing like that just the fact that they've been a cohesive team without any interruptions to their practice and that's going to be the big that's going to be the big challenge for faker into the future see for me i kind of think it also comes down to faker but in a very different way i think faker's individual performance at this world's has not been very good um it hasn't been for a while though yeah but i think that for i we can basically it's very rare that you get like a pretty comprehensive insight into team dynamics and how people play off each other symbiotically without with the lack of data that we usually have right i think this season particularly and obviously we've got all the historical data on faker as well but this season showed like what faker's value to that team is and it yeah. is astronomically high the problem is even given that we kind of now know what faker is to that team his individual performance